May God add his blessing to the reading of the scripture this morning, and may the words from my mouth be what we all need to hear. There's an old legend about a New England town where the people just couldn't seem to get along. And they were constantly fighting and bickering about petty little things, and neighbor was against neighbor. And one day the people decided to come together and to consult a pastor whom they trusted very much and ask that pastor if he could help them with this problem. They were not, just not getting along very well. And he said that, yes, he would think on it for a day or two, and then he would send along a letter because he lived a little distance away. And this was back in the day when letters were sent by messenger. And so a few days later, he sat down and he wrote his letter to the people of the town. This letter was full of advice and just sort of some suggestions on how they might uh, make peace in their town and get along again. Well, at the same time, he also sat down and wrote a letter to a friend of his who was a farmer who was having trouble with one of his old bulls. And then he called the messengers after he had written these two letters, both with advice, and he sent them on their way. Well, you can probably guess what happened. The two letters got mixed up and he sent the wrong one with the wrong messenger. And the message from the town got sent for the town got sent to the farmer and vice versa. So here's the message that the townspeople got. It said, you had better see that your fences are put up well in the first place. Plow your ground deep and sort your seed. Be careful not to sow foul seed. And take care of that great big ugly bull. I think you better poke him. The rest I will tell you when I come. Well, the people sat and thought about this letter for a long time and they were sort of baffled by this strange message that he would send them. And finally, one man stood up and said, I think I've got it. I think I can interpret this letter. Putting up fences means the rules of discipline in the church. The people had neglected rules of discipline for too long, he said. And plowing up the ground must be his way of saying that the people need to open up their hearts to allow the good seed of love to be sown in their town. The warning against bad seed was pretty obvious, he said. The citizens needed to sort the truth from the lies and not believe every piece of gossip that they heard. And that great, great big ugly bull had to be the devil. He was the one who was behind all of this. The people were so moved by the pastor's advice that they began apologizing and offering forgiveness to one another. And peace, peace once again came to that town. I wish other feuds, feuds in families, feuds in churches, feuds between life partners could be settled that quickly and that easily. In today's reading, Jesus gave us a formula in, those, in that short passage in Matthew for solving most relationship problems. First of all, Jesus says, take charge of your inner life. Take charge of what's going on in your mind and in your heart. And then the outer actions will take care of themselves. Thoughts, as we all know, lead to actions. Jesus was clear that we might be proud of ourselves because we've never killed anybody. We've never stolen. 
We've never committed adultery. But if we have the thought of doing any of these things, the potential is there. It could happen. We need to take control of our thoughts. In the book called In Enemy Waters, the author tells us about two men who he saw fighting in a gutter. And they each had a car half parked, one forward and one backward, in one parking space. They were obviously fighting over this parking spot. And the ridiculousness of it all was really emphasized by the fact that there was a sign on this parking spot that said, no parking. Of course, the point wasn't that they were both trying to park in a no parking zone. The point was that this was a pretty trivial matter. You can always find another parking place, right? They were probably carrying around anger that was just waiting to erupt. I want to tell you a little story about something that happened to me in my own life. When I was uh, in my 20s, married and had two children, one on the way, I worked for a company who, who did industrial cleaning. We, did, we scrubbed and waxed floors and cleaned carpet and all that sort of stuff. And while I was working for this company, my dad passed away. Well, my mom and dad still had seven children at home. Uh, shortly after dad passed away, after the funeral, mom decided to leave town for whatever the reason and leave the kids. And so my wife and I were in a situation where we had to decide what we were going to do. So we went up and we stayed with the kids for a little bit. And, you know, eventually we made the decision to take them. But that's not the important part of the story. The important part of the story is that I was so stressed out because I had all these decisions to make. And I had seven brothers and sisters that I was worried about. And I knew that if we let them go, they were going to go. They, there was no way in the world they were going to be living together anymore. They were going to be in separate homes and different foster homes. And would I be able to keep up with them and stay in touch with them and, you know, love them as brothers and sisters if that happened? And all of this was just weighing on me so, so, so heavily that I could barely function, you know. And so one day I went to work, and I still remember the place. The job site we went to was Mr. Penguin over in uh, Ottawa, Jim's formal wear. And we were cleaning the, the main floor there. And we were scrubbing and waxing it, and I had a, a, the, one of the guys who owned the company's name was Lyle. And Lyle was a man who had a heart of gold, but he was very rough on the outside. And he wasn't sometimes very nice to us. And he, when he wanted to get something done and he didn't think we were doing it fast enough, he'd let us know. Well, that day, I don't know what he said to me. But he said something to me that just set me off, and I, I couldn't, you know, I just exploded. And I said some things that I'm not very proud that I said. And I walked out. I got outside. And I decided I was going home. Well, I'm in Ottawa. I live in LaSalle. So I start walking. And I'm walking. And I get out to Route 6 and I'm walking. And I'm a little ways out of, out of Ottawa. And here comes Lyle in the truck. That man followed me, drove beside me all the way from Ottawa to the house, where, to their business in LaSalle. But I would not get in the car because I was so mad. And I was, 
He took the brunt of all of that that was going on before I ever saw him that day. And I said things that were terrible. I said everything I could to get him to leave me alone and just let me walk and be left alone, but he would not. There's a lot more to the story, and it's a beautiful story, because Lyle was one of our greatest supporters and helped us in many, many ways with the kids from the very beginning. But my point is, sometimes that point when you do what you're not very proud you did, when you get angry and you explode, is not really, it really has nothing to do with this current situation, but it's built up. And so that day, that's what happened. Now, do you think I was really mad at Lyle? Of course I wasn't. He was my boss, and he was a good boss in many ways. I was just venting all the anger and all the stress that had built up inside of me, and it was just waiting to erupt, and it did. Anger makes you do very, very stupid things. And that day, I did some very, very stupid things. In the book, Wit and Wisdom from the Peanut Butter Gang, some children offer advice on dealing with anger. Morgan, who's 11 years old, says this, when your mom is mad at your dad, don't let mom brush your hair. <laughs> Leslie, who's age 11, says, when your mother is mad and asks you, do I look stupid? Don't answer. <laughs> Children are very good at spotting the signs of anger because unfortunately, they are often the unsuspecting target of their parents' anger. And many times it has nothing to do with them. And we need to be very careful as parents about that. Martin Luther King advised people to avoid not only violence of deed, but violence of spirit. Think about what's going on inside you. That's good advice. If we take charge of our inner emotions, our outward actions will take care of themselves. That day, if I had been in a different place and had taken control of my emotions and all that was going on, that whole crazy scene would have never taken place. The second half of the formula that Jesus gives us in our scripture for today is that good relationships, if we're going to keep them good, whenever a problem develops, even a small problem in that relationship, nip it in the bud right away. Catch it early. Don't let the problem get out of hand. Don't let it fester. Here's how Jesus put it. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you're in the temple back in those days and you've brought your alms, whatever you're going to give, and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you or you have something against them, leave. Leave your gift there and go. First, get things right with that brother or sister. And then come back and offer your gift. Again, that's great advice. Little problems that aren't addressed become big problems very often. Philip Yancey, in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace, writes about the word resentment. He says, resentment means literally to feel again. Resentment clings to the past, relives it over and over again picks the scab, 
so that the wound never heals. He says this pattern probably started with the very first couple on earth. Martin Luther wrote, think of all the squabbles that Adam and Eve must have had in their 900 years. Eve would probably say, well, you're the dummy that ate the fruit. And then Adam would say, well, you gave it to me. Yancey wrote about two novels that illustrate this happening. In the novel Love in the Time of Cholera, there's a marriage that's harmed greatly over a bar of soap, a stupid little thing like a bar of soap. He says, quote, it was the wife's job to keep the house in order, including provision of towels, toilet paper, and soap in the bathroom. Boy, it doesn't work that way in my house. One day, she forgot to replace the soap, an oversight that her husband mentioned in a very exaggerated way. He said, I've been bathing for almost a week without any soap. And then she vigorously denied that. Although it turned out that she had indeed forgotten, her pride was at stake. She would not back down. And so for the next seven months, they slept in separate rooms and ate in silence. Even when they were old and placid, the book says, they were very careful about bringing up that subject for the barely healed wounds could begin to bleed again as if they had been inflicted only yesterday. How can a bar of soap do so much damage to a marriage? Because neither partner would say, stop, this can't go on any farther. I'm sorry, forgive me, I made a mistake. The Knot of Vipers is another book, and it tells the story of an old man who spends decades, decades, of his life, sleeping down the hallway from his wife because a rift had opened up 30 years before that over whether the husband showed enough concern when their child became sick. Now, neither husband or wife was willing to take the first step. Every night, he tells, he says that every night he would lay in his bed waiting for her to approach him and to talk about it, and she never came. Every night, he would lie waiting, she would lie waiting for him to come, and he never appeared either. Neither of them would break the cycle that began so long ago. Neither would forgive, and so the marriage, the relationship wasn't what it could have and should have been. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Right? But it happens. Do not harbor negative thoughts in your heart. If a problem comes up in your marriage or with your children or between you and someone here at church or whatever that disagreement might be, a friend, a coworker, go to that other person. Resolve it. Nip it in the bud. Catch it early. Take care of it quickly. It's sad to see disputes go unresolved and to see resentment where there should be love. Often healing comes as soon as one person is willing to take that step. When Dr. Harold Bloomfield learned that his father was dying of cancer, he promised himself, he said, that he would visit him one more time. And it was not going to be easy because they did not have a good relationship. They were not close. And they had become very estranged. He hardly ever saw his father for many, many years. 
His parents had had a bad marriage, mainly because his dad liked to argue. The dad always had been a stoic, unable to communicate his feelings to his son. And because of this, Harold had really not gotten the emotional support that he needed down through the years and the nurturing that he deserved. And so he reached this point in life where over the years, resentments built up between the two of them, and it was difficult for him to go see his dad. He couldn't do it. But knowing that his father had only six months to live, he decided that he would make the effort to go. And he went, and he visited his dad. He said that the first visit was very routine, but on the second visit, he did something that was completely unexpected. He told his father that he loved him, and he offered him a hug. Well, this was unheard of in that family. And at first, Harold's father wouldn't let him hug him. Harold was angry and hurt and wanted to forget the whole thing and just leave, but he didn't. He tried a second time. And this time, slowly, his dad allowed him to give him a hug. The first step that day didn't change their relationship. It didn't happen overnight, but he did not give up. And with each visit, he would express his love for his dad, and he would give him a hug. And slowly, his dad began to loosen up and accept this new love from his son. It was a major breakthrough when, after many hugs had passed between father and son, as he was walking out the door one day, his father blurted out the words, I love you, son. This was the first time his father had ever said that to him. His dad didn't die in six months. He lived for four more years. And during those four years, Harold and his father were able to communicate better. They had a relationship again. They were able to share the feelings more deeply. And Harold never imagined that it could be that good. He found that this new relationship with his father affected all the other relationships in his life. He could now give love more freely and more fully. And he found peace in his life that he had never known before. Think of the years that he lost. But somebody took the first step. And that's what Jesus asks us to do. He has given us the formula for making relationships work. Remember, the inside emotion, your thoughts, your emotions, control and greatly affect our actions on the outside. Also, we need to get busy making things right today, immediately. But there's one more thing, and that is to remember to bring that relationship to the altar. Jesus said that when we come to the altar, if we remember someone having something against us, that we should go get it right. But then he said, come back to the altar. So it's important to come back. It's important to bring that relationship that needs improvement to God, to pray about it. If it's really important to you, ask God for his help. He'll help you. God will help you deal with your feelings of resentment or your feelings of anger. will help you regain your perspective on the whole situation. 
One lady says that one Saturday morning she woke up to the delightful smell of waffles and the sound of her two little boys in the kitchen with her husband making breakfast. Oh, what a delight. She went down to breakfast. She sat on her husband's lap and gave him a big hug and said, this is so thoughtful. Thank you for doing this. Well, later that day, she and her husband were having a very serious and loud argument in their bedroom. And their little four-year-old boy, Jacob, opened the door, stuck his head in, and he said, Mommy, try to remember how you felt when you were sitting on Daddy's lap. From the words of children. Sometimes we just need to regain our perspective. That's all she needed. That's all he needed. The altar is one place that we can regain that perspective. May we always remember that actions on the outside begin on the inside. If we keep ourselves healthy inside, it will show in our relationships with other people. Then when problems develop, nip them in the bud quickly before they grow. And then finally, let's not forget to bring these relationship problems to God in prayer. Solid relationship advice from our Lord. Amen.